ECDC On Air, the podcast of the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control. Keeping up to date with European epidemiology. Hello and welcome to this podcast. My name is Catherine and I am your host for today's episode of ECDC On Air, the podcast of the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control, which is recorded from our headquarters in Stockholm, Sweden. This year, as every year on 24th of March, we commemorate the Tuberculosis Day to raise public awareness of the devastating impact of TB and call for an end to this epidemic. To understand the terrible consequences of this disease and why it's crucial to stop it, we speak to Senya, TB expert at ECDC. We will talk about Honduras, Robert Corr and New York. Welcome, Senia, to this podcast. Good morning. Good morning, Catherine. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. First, I would like you to introduce yourself and tell us what you do at ECDC and what brought you here. Well, my name is Senia, and I am a clinical microbiologist by training. And I started working on tuberculosis 20 years ago in Honduras, where I'm originally from. And at that time, I found very interesting as a microbiologist working with mycobacterium tuberculosis, which is the pathogen causing the disease, because it's a bit different than all other bacteria. It, it grows slowly and one has to be very patient to actually get what you want from, from it. But I also had the opportunity to start doing research, assessing rapid diagnostic tests that were low cost. It was important to, to do this because we uh, had at the time very many cases of tuberculosis, but not so many resources to do diagnosis. So I found that it was a good combination of something I found interesting doing while contributing to an important public health issue in my country. And later on, it also opened new opportunities because Honduras and Sweden were uh, having a collaboration in research on tuberculosis, on diagnostics, and that allowed me to continue my training, and that's how I came to Sweden to do my PhD uh, studies, working on drug-resistant tuberculosis and characterizing it in the laboratory. After I completed my training, I continued doing research as a postdoctoral re researcher at Karolinska Institute. But then I had moved away from tuberculosis and looked more into antimicrobial resistance as a global issue. And I learned a lot. But after a while, I was missing working on tuberculosis. And about that time came the opportunity at ECDC where they were looking after a tuberculosis expert. And for me, it was also interesting because I came from a context where tuberculosis was very common. And in Europe, it was the opposite situation where the disease was less common and resources were more available. So I also wanted to understand and to work in, in a different context with a disease that I found important doing. Is it the reason why Honduras and Sweden had a collaboration on TB? The fact that in Honduras there was a lot of cases of TB? Yes, there was a reason because it was an exchange of the technology that was existing in Sweden. And also it was part of, at the time of the broader sort of research collaboration that Sweden had with the country and just health issues were prioritized and tuberculosis was among them. Could you briefly remind us what is TB? 
Well, tuberculosis is an infectious disease that is caused by a bacteria, as I mentioned earlier. It is transmitted person to person through air. So basically, the bacteria are present in the small droplets that are just floating in the air, and we can inhale them when a person with tuberculosis starts coughing or sneezing. And if we are too close uh, to that person, that's how we inhale the bacteria. And the obvious organ that is primarily affected are the lungs. But in reality, tuberculosis is a disease that can affect any part of your body. It can affect your bones, your liver, uh, your skin, you name it. And this is, this is not really known, that the fact that it can affect another part of the body. Usually, we think that it affects lungs. Yes. I remember that in my early trainings, one, one very experienced clinician used to say, you always have to think of tuberculosis, regardless of what part of the body is affected. But indeed, the pulmonary presentation is the most common. We are talking about roughly 95% of the cases of tuberculosis are affected in the lungs, but indeed can affect any part of your body. Which damage this uh, disease can cause? Well, once you have inhaled the bacteria, there are four scenarios. The first one is that your body will take care of the infection. That means that your immune system will contain and kill the bacteria. And perhaps you will never notice that you were in contact with the pathogen. The second scenario is that the bacteria will infect your body and will hide. And that is what we call tuberculosis infection, where there is no symptoms, but you have the pathogen in your body. And that state of infection can last a few weeks, a few months, or even years. And there is part of the strategy of, of the bacteria to find the proper occasion to cause damage and to cause disease. But during this time, it doesn't cause any damage. Exactly. So the only way for a person to know is that if you are tested for infection and then there is some indirect proof that the pathogen is in your body, but you will not notice any major change and you will not have symptoms. It could take years just for the bacteria to start causing damage. Then the third scenario is when the bacteria are very effective in creating symptoms and creating damage. And then it's when it becomes obvious that you are uh, sick. Uh, so the person will notice that uh, there is a lot of cough, like uh, someone who is coughing a lot for more than two or three weeks, who has fever or night sweats. Uh, and losing weight are sort of the very characteristic initial symptoms for tuberculosis. It is also uh, important to get checked by your physician because then a radiography can be taken to examine the lungs. And there it could be more obvious that there is a damage already being caused by the pathogen. And that's together with a, a bacteriological confirmation. That means that in the laboratory, we grow the bacteria out of a biological sample, like could be your sputum, to just verify that the bacteria are present there. So when those combine, we can certainly say a person has tuberculosis. This is the most common uh, case? or In fact, the most common case is to be infected. But the problem is that it's not so easy to detect. So a rough estimation tells that one-fourth of the world population is infected with tuberculosis. But it's just an estimation because we have not good enough tools to, to confirm that. One-fourth in Europe? One-fourth in the whole world. In the whole world. Okay. Yes. 
But yes, once you once you start presenting symptoms, then you can start receiving treatment. And the good thing with tuberculosis that we have to remember is that it's a, it's a disease that can be treated and you can be cured. But the challenge is that the treatment for tuberculosis is long and it requires a combination of up to four antibiotics that have to be taken at least for four months, if not longer, depending on what type of disease you have. So it is also important to remember that it is possible, but it requires support to the person who is being treated. Which also brings me to the fourth scenario, that once you have a diagnosis of active tuberculosis disease, you might also be affected by a more severe form of the disease, whereby the bacteria are not responding to the antibiotics, and that's what we call resistant tuberculosis. And there are different patterns of resistance depending on the antibiotics that the bacteria are resistant to. But there are two forms that are extremely serious. One is called multidrug resistant tuberculosis, which is the one that is resistant to the two main antibiotics used for the initial treatment. And then we have the extensively drug resistant tuberculosis, which has many other antibiotics added, and we are left with less options to treat patients that has this form of the disease. There are options for treatment, but they are much longer and more challenging for the patient as well. But this is very rare. In Europe, it is rare in most of the countries, but there are some countries that have a a higher number of drug-resistant TB cases that should be taken care of. So it's also important to know. This is why also your background in uh, antimicrobial resistance is good. Exactly. Because you can, uh, you can combine the two skills. Yes, and, and that's the interesting point is also to remember and to associate tuberculosis with antimicrobial resistance because antimicrobial resistance is a major issue that affects or takes into consideration several diseases. And tuberculosis is one of them. When I was a kid, we heard about TB. We knew it was common. And I thought it had been eradicated. What happened to make it come back? Tuberculosis has never left, really. What has happened, particularly in Europe, is that we have an improvement of social conditions. So tuberculosis is associated with certain social risks. So currently... Tuberculosis exists still in Europe, but it's affecting groups that are more vulnerable due to their social conditions. And that is not as obvious as it was 100 years back. So the first step to cure tuberculosis is to improve the conditions of everybody so that we have a place where to live with enough space, enough ventilation, sufficient food so that we have good uh, nutritional conditions, but above all, good access to healthcare. If we have all that in place, it's much easier to control. But now what we are facing is that is instead focusing on very specific groups that are socially disadvantaged or perhaps even clinically vulnerable because there are other risks like having a depressed immune system, either because you are older or because you have an immune suppression caused by other diseases like HIV or because you are more exposed in one way or another. 
So those risks make it less obvious to the general population, but tuberculosis still exists. In fact, in 2021, around 165,000 people in Europe were newly diagnosed with tuberculosis. It's less than in other sites in the world, but still is telling us that many are affected by the disease. Yes, the disease is still here. And what it would uh, imply to eliminate the TB in Europe? Well, we have clear goals for elimination. So we have a target of reaching less than one case of tuberculosis per 100,000 population. That is the elimination goal. And we have many things to do. First, as I mentioned before, we have to improve general conditions but we also have to improve access to all the options we have for those who fall ill with tuberculosis. From detecting earlier the disease and providing appropriate treatment and making sure that people with tuberculosis can complete the treatment and cure from it, but also it's important to start providing TB-prevented treatment to those who have the infection because anyone who is infected even if not presenting symptoms, at one point in their life may progress to disease. And then it's important to stop that possibility. And we now have the opportunity to provide treatment for infection that is short and is very efficacious. So it's good to have that in mind. But we also need to invest uh, and to try to find new vaccines for tuberculosis because we only have one vaccine that can be administered for children mainly, but it's not good enough. So one of the targets as well is to uh, develop good, efficacious, and safe vaccines for tuberculosis that would allow us to prevent the disease, to prevent infection, ideally. I was wondering, has uh, COVID-19 had an impact on the progress to NTB? Yes, it has affected because uh, during the pandemic, many tuberculosis hospitals and laboratories have to shift their activities towards uh, COVID uh, care and treatment. And that also means that they could not continue doing their routine work that is allowing us to detect and treat patients. We also observe that because of the conditions in the pandemic, people may not have access to their healthcare facilities sometimes struggling to get access to the treatment. And we are still evaluating what is the total impact. It will take a few years more to have a complete overview of the extent of that impact, but definitely it shows us a decrease in the number of cases that have been notified, but we don't believe that is necessarily caused because it's less tuberculosis. It's more because we were not able to detect all the cases that were appearing at that time. I guess all what you said earlier is the reason for having a special day every year to mark the importance of this public health issue. Yes, World Tuberculosis Day has a very interesting story because as an awareness day, it came about in the 80s. But the date in particular, 24th of March, is linked to the actual discovery of the pathogen. So Robert Koch, on 24th March, 1882, show the pathogen to a very selected group of clinicians in Berlin. And he show up with the microscope and like, here it is. This is the bacteria. I can show you that this is an infection disease and this is the microorganism causing it. 
who was Robert Koch? He's, he was an, an eminence, a Nobel Prize laureate, precisely because of his work on tuberculosis, who was very engaged into demonstrating the relation between pathogens and infectious diseases. So he contributed not only by demonstrating causal agent for tuberculosis, but also the, um, defining key principles that we use still today to demonstrate the link between a pathogen and a disease in a very uh, structured, systematic way. So he's, he's a father of infectious diseases in many ways, a respected figure and very uh, dedicated uh, scientist that uh, we still follow their, his example. And he was also very much committed on tuberculosis fight. He was German. He was German. And because of him and because of this discovery, mid-80s came the idea as a celebration of a decentennial of his discovery, the World Tuberculosis Day was established. But it took 10 years more, like mid-90s, to make it an awareness campaign, an advocacy campaign. And it's important because it gives us an opportunity to, to look into what we need to, to still work on. But it's not the main goal itself. The goal is to eliminate tuberculosis because it's, it's a disease that we can definitely eliminate, but we need to commit at many levels. This is a worldwide campaign. And what is the theme this year? Yes, it is a worldwide campaign that includes actors like ACDC, but also the World Health Organization. We have civil society organizations, patient association. Everybody who is directly involved with tuberculosis uh, is commemorating this day. And for 2023, the theme is, yes, we can end tuberculosis. Because this year is important as well, as in um, September 2023, there will be a, an important meeting at the United Nations General Assembly. It's a high-level meeting on tuberculosis, where head of states and head of governments are invited to come and talk about the progress they have done in their countries based on an agreement that was uh, endorsed five years ago. So for tuberculosis, there are well-established and endorsed goals to end the disease. And this year is one important checkpoint to see how much we have achieved. And that is why we are reaffirming that, yes, we can end tuberculosis, but we will need the political commitment on top of the research and development, on top of the healthcare access and the support of the community to all those affected by tuberculosis. Do you have any means to measure the progress? Yes, the way how we measure progress is, in fact, the same that we use in our normal work. So we have used how many cases of tuberculosis are being notified. We are aiming to decrease the number of cases of tuberculosis in comparison to 2015. So we are using the data from 2015 as a baseline. Our goal is towards 2030, and we want to decrease at least 80% of the total number in that period. We also want to decrease the number of deaths caused by tuberculosis by 90% in comparison to the levels observing in 2015. We also want to avoid that people affected by tuberculosis has catastrophic costs because those who are affected by tuberculosis and that's patients and their families have economic burden uh, linked to the disease. But we are also aiming to improve the number or to increase the number of people who initiate uh, treatment 
and are successfully completing treatment. So it's a very specific target that we can follow up. You mentioned earlier the number of cases. I am curious uh, to know how many deaths in Europe. The number of cases in Europe is 165,000 in 2021. Numbers of deaths are a bit more difficult to follow up, and I do not remember by heart where we are, but we are not quite reaching in Europe what we were aiming for. And here is also the caveat of how data is collected and reported, but we could do better. I can tell you that the absolute number we are aiming is less than 400 deaths caused by tuberculosis by 2030. That is the specific goal for the European Union, roughly. You said that the motto of this campaign is, yes, we can end TB, which is a quite strong motto. How can we as European citizens contribute to this campaign? And can we? I always think that there is always something we can do from where we are, directly or indirectly. As a normal citizen, if you ever come across with a person with tuberculosis, it's important to support them. It's important to remember that as a human beings, that social support, that psychological support that comes from your friends, from your family, from your community, it makes wonders. Particularly for tuberculosis, because some may experience that they are discriminated by having the disease. And we should understand that a person with tuberculosis is not infectious as soon as he or she starts treatment. So give the person a hug or show your support in any way possible is a way to help. But you can also help as a citizen by making sure that the social conditions in your community, where you live, are good for everyone, everywhere. And you can do it directly or indirectly. And to make sure that everyone has access to healthcare is also a good way of helping eliminating tuberculosis. So what is the CDC doing on TB? How this contributes to the elimination of the disease? Our main focus is trying to support EU countries in the best way we can. We start by facilitating collaboration among European experts through our network. So there is a network on tuberculosis that collaborates in, for example, reporting the surveillance data that we publish in the report. But we also collaborate with experts that are microbiologists working in the laboratories, trying to improve techniques. And in that particular field, we want to really use the best techniques we have available to get access to as reliable information that would allow us to detect outbreaks of the disease, for example, that are affecting more than one country, that are international by definition. And we try not only to implement technology, but also to exchange experiences, to train people so that they also get that in their own countries. We also try to reach out to other professionals to get who are the ones closely working with the TB patients. So we do trainings for clinicians, trying to update them in the latest international guidelines, also to understand what the needs might be in specific countries. We also want to reach out now more and more to civil society organizations that might be interested in gaining a better information that ECDC may provide to them. So we are exploring ways to provide very specific targeted support to countries at the same time that we facilitate collaboration between countries and with other agencies to have this synergic approach 
to ending tuberculosis in Europe. Uh, during the campaign, you collaborate with all uh, international organizations. Yes. For the campaign itself, it's sort of a, a well-orchestrated collaboration in which everyone contributes from their own expertise. But I think for ECDs in particular, we see the long-term collaboration and, and how to strengthen the European countries' capacity to conduct surveillance, to have access to good data, to collate and analyze the data that allow us to make decisions about it. So that is our focus, is the long term. The campaign is a medium to reach that, but it's not a goal on itself. As a European citizen, how do I benefit from this work you do? And does it have an impact on my life? I hope the best example I can give you is that you will never get tuberculosis because that means that all the effort that is being put in preventing the disease and treating the people who have the disease has great sort of impact. Indirectly, by eliminating tuberculosis, we are also contributing to the overall welfare in the community because it has an economic impact. Tuberculosis is a disease that affects people that are more productive uh, and will not be contributing economically and might need even more support uh, during that period. So perhaps it's not obvious to the citizens, but yeah, it, it has a, a relevance to the overall well-being of a population in general. Of course, I asked the question because sometimes we don't see what it brings to us. Thank you very much, Senya, for this interesting conversation. I hope this campaign will be successful and you will manage to MTB in Europe. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast about tuberculosis. If you would like to know more, please visit our website, ecdc.europa.eu, or follow us on social media.